today we're going to be in 1 Samuel 25. Uh, we're going to be talking about David and Abigail. All right, David and Abigail. This year, at the beginning of the school year, right, every district was trying to figure out, okay, what, what are we going to do, right? We're going to go so many different kinds of hybrid models out there, um, regulations, standards put out by uh, the State Department of Health and the CDC and uh, you know, there. so Clarence was doing a bunch of surveys. I know Williamsville was doing a bunch of surveys. Um, and so at, every district is different, turns out different. Uh, but I would say that in the Williamsville School District, there was a, a little bit of tension, right? Uh, w- would you agree with me in saying that, um, you know, the superintendent had, had made a decision, they had taken a survey, and then uh, some people uh, spoke out and saying they were against it, and then what happened? The superintendent made a different decision, right? And uh, I think it's safe to say it was an impulsive decision because it wasn't discussed with the school board, right? Um, and it was an impulsive decision. Now that decision affected family me- families, it affected teachers, it affected students, it affected staff, uh, and it's safe to say that that, that impulsive decision uh, had more negative consequences than positive consequences, right? Um, and ultimately, his impulsive decision wound up costing him what? His job, right? His position. Today, we're going to look at David. <laughs> David was ready to make an impulsive decision. David was ready to make an impulsive decision. The decision that he makes will ultimately define him and the kind of king he's to become. Here's what I want to, here's what we're going to see today. Point is this. Patience and restraint are the path to God's plan. Is David going to exercise patience and restraint? Or is he going to act on impulse? Is he going to exercise patience and restraint? Or is he going to act on impulse? Now, I'm not going to read all of 1 Samuel 25. I'm kind of going to go in sections and read different verses. Um, But I know that uh, we've been, you know, the leadership here has been encouraging you to read through the whole book of 1 Samuel uh, while you're going through this series. And so uh, I would encourage you to continue to do that. So we're just going to go through a, a, a different verses. And so I just want to point out verse 1 real quick. It said, Now Samuel died, and all the Israel assembly assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in the house at Ramah. Why is this important for our story today? Because up until now, up until now, Samuel, David, has relied on Samuel. David has relied on Samuel. Samuel's always proclaimed truth to Saul. And so Samuel's dead, and David is pushed farther and farther and farther into the wilderness. He's pushed farther and farther away into the wilderness with no prophet to support him. No prophet to support him. It's important to understand this Because if anybody needs guidance now more than ever, it's David. 
See, the conflict up until 25 was between God's two kings, the rise of David and King Saul. Rise of David and King Saul. David has nowhere to turn, and now he's faced with his first decision that's going to define Israel's greatest king. The kind of king Bible refers to as a man after God's own heart. But before that decision, we're going to see David anger, his frustration, and his ready, his readiness to kill and destroy. And this isn't an aspect of David that we normally talk about, especially in Sunday school. You know, we like to talk about the positives. But David was a great king, and he was faced with a decision on whether he was going to act on impulse, or was he going to be patient and restrain himself in order to be the king that God wants him to be, that God has anointed him to be. All right. First point is this in the passage, in, in, uh, in verse 2. All right. Nabal insults David. Okay, here's, here's verses uh, 2 through 13. This is the, the main point of this section, that Nabal insults David. Okay, a couple things. Nabal's described in verse 2, as the man was very rich. Okay? Nabal was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, he had 1,000 goats, and he was in Carmel shearing his sheep. Okay? He was in Carmel shearing his sheep. So he's a rich man. Verse 5. So David sent 10 young men, and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. Say, peace be to you, peace be to your house, peace be to all that you have. Verse 8. Ask your young men, and they will tell you, therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes. We have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. Nabal was rich. It was a time of festival. Sheep shearing was going on. Plenty, he, Nabal had plenty of food. David is further and further into the wilderness in need of assistance. Now, we, we know from this passage that, that David has protected Nabal before. In fact, it says here that, that David says, ask Nabal's young men, and they'll tell you how me and my mighty men saved your protected your flock. <laughs> David's actually, in this passage, you kind of say that, that David's uh, personified as almost like a mafia-style uh, type personality. Because David wants assistance in return for protection. David said, look, I've protected you in the past. Now I need your assistance. And so David's, that was David's question. He said, look, I'm in need of food and I'm in need of assistance. And here's what I've done for you in the past. Why is that important? Well, here's why that's important. Because Nabal insults David because the customs of the culture at that time 
and the Old Testament law, when somebody came to you for assistance, you were obligated to provide that assistance. So David protected Nabal and his possessions at one time. So now David comes in need of assistance, and Nabal actually was obligated by the culture of that time and by the Old Testament to provide David with assistance. Verse 10, what, so what's Nabal's answer to that assistance? And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed from my shears and give it to men who've come from I do not know where? <laughs> so David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. David Nabal's insult came by Nabal's rejection. Nabal breaks the cultural customs of that time and says, no, I'm not giving you any assistance. Verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. Let's, let me just stop there. Nabal's servants understand that Nabal acted foolishly. They understood the customs of that time, and so they went to Abigail. And they told Abigail. But see, what, what does David do in verse 13? David said to his men, so David's men come back and tell him that Nabal had uh, rejected them. They come back empty-handed. They told him how Nabal had railed at them. And he says, he sa so what does David say here? Every man strap on his sword. Now, do you think that was a patient, personal restraint response to the action? Or do you think that was an impulsive action that David was ready to take? That was an impulsive action. They come back, and David says, strap on your sword. David strapped on his sword. Every man strapped on his sword. Three times in this verse, strapped on their sword. David was ready to take action. You know, David is angry. David is angry, and he has this premeditated revenge. David's angry, and he has this premeditated revenge. David's ready to act impulsive. David has an impulsive action. Here's the, the decision here, okay? Here's the choice for David. He, this is the moment in which we're going to see whether David is going to be the kind of king that God saw he could be. But what God does 
is God says, I'm going to give David a chance. I'm going to give David an opportunity. God says, I'm going to give David an opportunity, and that opportunity is going to come in the form of Abigail. Now, if you are married in here, how often does God use your wife to correct you? Right? How, how often does, does, does God use your wife to convict you? To speak the truth in love. Now, if you're like me, some, some of those issues, man, I just, I just get angry and I can't stand it. But you go back and you're praying and you're thinking through the situation. You realize, man, I made another mistake. I made an impulsive action, and you got to go back, and you got to ask for forgiveness, and everything's made right, right? I mean, we all, we all have that. We've all had that experience. And so, the, so God's going to bring in this, this woman, Abigail. But how does, God, how does God use Abigail? How does God use Abigail to soften David's heart? Well, he's going to communicate four aspects from Abigail's speech in this next section. Okay, he's going to use four aspects. Before we transition to that, I just want to share this illustration with you. I think it's safe to say that in the United States of America, this past month, past two months, has been an extremely difficult in, in our country. Am I right? This past week began the second impeachment trial for former President Donald Trump. Right? People are angry. <laughs> Just like David was angry. There's a sense of impulsive action that was taking place. There was this premeditated revenge based upon anger in our country. Which ultimately, that, those impulsive actions cost people their lives. Right? You know, what's interesting about, or what society needs more than ever at this moment, is a church that is unified. The country doesn't need more division of churches. The country needs to see unity. And it starts with the church. (laughs) That's the beauty of being able to partner. That's the beauty of being able to partner with, together, Fieldstone Church with Randall Church. Especially in Clarence Hollow, because if you don't know Clarence Hollow, uh, Clarence is a predominantly voted red over this past election. Although Western New York turned out blue, Clarence turned out red. With that association comes a lot of anger and comes a lot of frustration. And so when I'm talking to people, when our people are talking to other people in Clarence and we can communicate that, yes, we're partnering with another church, that creates a sense of what? It communicates unity.
So how does Abigail soften David's heart? How does Abigail soften David's heart? Well, first, the first point is this. I mean, Abigail is bold. Abigail is bold. Abigail hears from the young men what her husband did, and what does she send? She sends this in verse 18. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep that were already prepared, five seeds of parched grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on donkeys, and she sent them ahead of her with her young men. She says, go on before me, I will come after you. Don't wait for me, go on ahead and meet David. Why? Because Abigail knows that David is angry. That her husband insulted David. She realizes the consequences of what could happen if David acts on his impulse. So she's bold to point that out. She's bold in this speech as we will see. She's also bold in this speech because throughout it she reminds David of of who he is. That he is the anointed king of Israel and that if he acts on his impulse, he will have to live with the guilt of blood that was shed during this time. So Abigail's bold. Second point is this. Abigail's humble, verses 23 and 24. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Abigail is humble because she recognizes David's role as Lord, as servant, as the future king of Israel, but she's also humble in the sense of she understands her role by communicating that she is a servant of David. She communicates humility in that she bows down face to the ground as soon as she sees David. She's bold, she's humble, and she's truthful. Abigail's truthful, verse 28. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. Abigail's truthful because she recognizes that David will one day be king. That Saul's pursuit for him will eventually end. She has this long-term view. She has this long-term view. She's conscious of what will happen. See, right now, at this moment in time, David doesn't see that. He needs Abigail to proclaim truth to her. He needs Abigail to remind him That if you want to be God's anointed king that will sit on the throne, that won't be guilty of blood that you shed, you need to be patient and you need to restrain yourself from acting on your impulse. 
So Abigail's bold. Abigail's humble. Abigail's truthful. And now Abigail's full of faith, verse 29. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living, in the care of the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause, or for my Lord taking vengeance himself. And when the Lord has dealt with my Lord, then remember your servant. Boy, Abigail is full of faith because she expects God. Abigail expects God to work out a better way. She expects God to fulfill the promise that he made to David. That one day, he will sit on the throne. And she communicates her faith because she reminds David of what God will do. And she has this long-term view, and she's patient, and she's communicating personal restraint to David because if, she, because if David does do what his impulse is, is, is communicating him to do, then he will be guilty of blood that was shed when he sits on the throne. She's full of faith because she reminds David of what God will do and really what God has done for David by giving him uh, a defeat, military conquest and defeating his enemies. And we know that David will conquer Philistines as he has. So she She's full of faith, and then she also reminds David that, remember the faith that you have. Remember, David have, had faith going into this battle with Goliath. So how does Abigail soften David's heart? Well, she's bold, she's humble, she's truthful, and she's full of faith. Now, let's read what David's response is. Verse 35. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry within him. Verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. Like David, David sees, David sees that a long-term view is more beneficial than acting on impulse. Look, in verses 32 through 35, David, David says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel because he sent you. Blessed be your, dis your discretion, Abigail. Blessed be you. You've kept me from, from uh, blood guilt. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel is, he has restrained me from hurting you. Unless you had met me by morning, truly there had been 
uh, not left to Nabal so much as one male. And then David received from her. Abigail is bold. She's humble. She's truthful. She's full of faith. What's David's response to Abigail? She says, he says, blessed be you. Because if God had not sent you, I would have acted on my impulse and there would not have been one male left alive for Nabal. Her bold, humble, truthful, and faithful action, David listened and heard and internalized those words. And that's more beneficial for him. Remember, because patience and personal restraint is the path to God's best plan. David had this narrative defined David. It defined David. David's humility to listen to what God calls him to do. Instead of acting on impulse, he sees the long-term view and he sees how beneficial that is. God's timing in our lives, in our application, God's timing may require patience and faithfulness. God's timing may require patience and faithfulness. David was convicted of his personal revenge. He uses the word revenge here. He realizes that he was going to repay evil for evil. And God uses Abigail to soften his heart. He's patient and he's faithful. You know, planting a church in Clarence during COVID requires patience. It requires faithfulness. Some of us may think, man, uh, COVID actually hindered us from church planting. Well, I'll present to you COVID sped up the process for church planting. Now, how do you do that? Well, we had this strategy for transitioning out of our Harris Hill building uh, into Fieldstone. And COVID happened, and God said, I'm going to speed that process along, break. And we stopped meeting, and we didn't have to make that break. And we, and we started meeting together, and because we were patient and faithful. And during this time of COVID, God began to open up doors. We met a business owner who owns the Brick Hall, who owns our church office, and another, another uh, more businesses on Main Street. And that connection has got us connected with the ability to minister to people in the community. So COVID, although it 
you can see it as a hindrance. That was actually God's best plan for our church, for Fieldstone Church. You know, during that time, we started our groups. During that time, we, we were able to, uh, this past holiday season, we were able to donate 82 gift cards to the Clarence Food Pantry, each with handwritten notes. Now, this, is even, this gets even better, and here's why. Because as a leadership team, we decided, okay, you know what? Uh, how can we help out the community? Now, we can donate, we can donate 50 $10 gift cards Wegmans gift cards with a handwritten note to the Clarence Food Pantry. So we communicated that to the people in our church and what they do. They said, okay, we can, we can gather another $320 worth of $10 gift cards with handwritten notes. And most of those notes were not written by the leadership team. It was people in the church latching on to the vision that we want to partner with the community to help them navigate life with God. And God's timing required patience. It required faithfulness. But we were blessed by it. And we're continuing to go down that road. As the worship team comes up, another, uh, another point to bring up is uh, another one of the ways in which God is blessing us is uh, by, the, by the Clarence Hollow Association. Now, it's a, this association, Clarence Hollow, that we've been able to be a part of. Another door that God has started to open up for us to meet different needs. You know, uh, another item of prayer, another item that we can get involved in is the Clarence Hollow Farmer's Market. In fact, that's a prayer request in that uh, as a result of anger and jealousy and money, uh, we don't even know if the Clarence Hollow Farmer's Market will be around next year. And as a church, what better way to support, to be part of the community, than to be part of the farmer's market? And so look, God is beginning to open up doors. He's beginning to make connections with people. And so I want to encourage you I want to encourage you, will you be part of that? Look, we must be flexible to learn these new principles and put them into action. I've learned a lot of new principles as a result of planting a church during COVID. And we must be flexible to put them into action. This call to action for you to possibly be part of our church plant in Clarence Hollow, it may not be comfortable for you. But maybe there's something inside of you that's kind of tugging you this way. It's saying, okay, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to be part of that, but I kind of feel something. I'm, you're praying about it. And you're kind of feeling the Holy Spirit may be leading you that way. And maybe part of your hesitation is because it is new. Maybe it's because you've never done something like this before. But remember, remember that patience and personal restraint is the best, best plan for uh, God's will. We've been patient. We've been faithful. 
We've had to restrain ourselves. But God has continued to open up doors. God has continued to bless us. May we continue, may we continue to exercise patience and personal restraint. May we continue to do that. If you're uh, sitting out there and, and you're wanting to partner with us, um, you know, I just want to encourage you on the back table, we brought some, cal- brought some calendars with us that gives us different uh, times and, and dates and information for our services. There's pens back there. Uh, look, please feel free to go back there and, and pick one of those up. Uh, bring those home with you. You know, be, be praying for us. Uh, and look, we can encourage you in different ways to partner with us, whether that be through prayer, whether that be through giving, uh, whether that be through, uh, you know, joining our team. You know, for Randall, your vision is uh, to find your place up in and out. Our vision for Fieldstone is to partner with the community to help them navigate life with God. And we want to communicate patience and personal restraint. We want to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ with the community. And what better way to do that than to be partnering together during this time? Let me close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love for us. May we be like David and heed to the truth that you have given us. May we be patient. May we not act on impulse knowing that that only leads to destruction. Father, may we be passionate about serving you and obeying you and following your will. In Jesus' name we pray.